Today on the show, Tinian joins us to share how you can get started with DIY. Kristen shares a second generation Phi win. Tasha shares a gratitude post. Joshua pays off his car and Jonathan and Brad share their Black Friday wins. Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. Welcome to the show today. Really excited to dive into this past week's episode with Tinian from DIY to Fi and also talk about uh, what is possibly Brad and my, my favorite holiday, Black Friday. I know, I know you're, you're surprised by that, but there's nothing that I enjoy more than going to a completely overpacked retail location and standing in line for hours and hours with my thermos while my fingers fall off only to enjoy the following pandemonium that ensues when the door opens up their offerings and allows us to purchase the latest gadget for 10% off. And to help me with this, I have my co-host Brad here with me today. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good. Uh, not sure I like Black Friday quite as much as you or the dripping sarcasm that you put into that. But, you know, it's funny. I actually bought something on a uh, Black Friday deal. It, it was crazy. That's awesome. Tell us about it. What'd you get? Yeah, so... This and and it, we certainly were not out at five in the morning. It was one of those three or four day deals. So we got it at a human time. But my wife and I grew up, each of us in our house is playing ping pong and we both played with our parents. And it was just this fun family memory that I think each of us had. And also, let's be honest here, we're a little competitive with each other. So you it guys comes are out in- so competitive <laughs> as I've gotten yeah. to know the Barrett's more and more closely. You guys take it to another level. Oh man. Yeah. I think we're both like recovering type A personalities. I try so hard in my real life not to be like that anymore, but it's still hard with board games sometimes. And believe me, we play fair. We never, never cheat. That's like <laughs> well, a Barrett rule. Clarify that. <laughs> yeah, no, you'd be out of the family. My, my kids know that. So, but anyway, ping pong is like the next frontier. So <laughs> we were researching tables and I don't know, Target had some like junky table on sale for like a hundred bucks. But then there was this like premier table at, at Dick's Sporting Goods. It was half off, which believe me, I know it's, you know, you're looking at the, the rack price. So it, this is not like that great of a deal. But anyway, we wound up getting this phenomenal table and we're going to use this thing for just hundreds upon hundreds of hours. So it was well worth the price. But it, what was interesting and the reason why I bring this up is that I actually got to take advantage of community, which is what we're always talking about here at Choose FI is actually having a community of people who can help you when you need help. And two of my buddies who live within a half mile of me and are also listeners of this podcast and members of the FI community, they really saved me big time with this ping pong table. So I get to Dick's and I'd already bought the thing online and they're like, Oh, so you have a pickup truck, right? I'm like, what? I, of course I don't have a pickup truck. I, I have a, a regular SUV, you know, a 15 year old SUV. They're like, yeah, that's not going to work. So I'm on the way home. I text my buddy, Blake, Hey, can I borrow your pickup truck? I need to go pick this up from Dick's. And within 30 seconds, he got back to me. I literally drove to his house, grabbed the keys and drove right back to Dick's and got the thing. But Jonathan, honestly, it weighs about 300 pounds. It was unbelievable. So there was no way that Laura and I were going to even be able to move this thing one foot. So again, I'm on my way back. I text my buddy, Matt, who lives right around the corner from me. And he was like an offensive lineman, college offensive lineman. So he's like a big, big, strong dude. He's like, sure, I'll be right over. I'll walk over. We both got to my house at the exact same time. I pulled this truck around back. And thankfully he was there to save me because there's no way I could have come close to carrying this thing, but it was just really neat. I know it's such a little anecdote, Jonathan, but like, it was just really cool 
to be able to lean on people and get that help. So yeah, it's lots of family fun here. We got in the future with the ping pong table and it was just a nice morning, really getting some help from some of my friends. Didn't uh, Brandon, the mad scientist, like port <laughs> you in a game of ping pong several years back? Oh, <laughs> yes. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> he did at, at FinCon. Brandon evidently had spent like the last year or two prior to that playing ping pong at his, his job. They had a ping pong table. So there I walk in like thinking I, I was pretty good when I used to play back in the day, like really quite good. And he demolished me. It was it was insane. So, yeah, I don't know if he's uh, keeping up the practice, but yeah, maybe next time I see him, we'll we'll actually have a game here. FinCon next year. I can just I can <laughs> see it coming together. The perfect storm, because the other thing is you don't forget that is going to be rectified. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge is sweet, right? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, I, I did get a black Friday deal as well. And I got to give credit to Olga in our Facebook group for giving me the heads up on this. So in an episode several weeks ago, I was describing my eating plan or rather my, my recipe shopping list aggregation plan. And I had kind of patched something together where I could find recipes, get the ingredients organized. It just wasn't perfect. And, and a few people pointed out that you know, as optimized as I thought I was, there were a few other applications out there that really had stepped it up. And and there were two of them that uh, really got featured many times. And the first one was called Plan to Eat. And this one was recommended to me. I think it comes with like a subscription that is roughly, I think it's $40 a year right now. It's actually 50% off up through December 2nd. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can get it, I think for $20 a, a year right now. And this one is like cloud-based. You get all your recipes in one place. It creates your shopping list. You have access on all your devices. And that looks pretty cool. I think a lot of you guys know that I'm not like a huge fan of recurring um, expenses, you know, structural recurring expenses. So I had kind of hadn't been quite ready to to dive into that one. But, but at 50% off, I really was considering it. But Olga posted this app called Paprika. It was also 50% off and, and it, you have to purchase it for each of your devices. So if you have like an iPhone, you know, it has one price, Windows it has another price, et cetera, et cetera. But on all of their applications, all their devices, all of those were 50% off. And depending on which system you needed to get, the 50% off price ranged from $2 to like, I think the highest, most expensive one was less than $15. But that's a one-off transaction. You know, regardless, I haven't been able to dive deep into both of them to, to determine which one is absolutely the best, but I went all in on Paprika and it's amazing. It is so fabulously wonderful. So you actually can look for recipes inside the application browser and then download the recipe. It automatically will download the recipe, download the ingredients, put them inside of a shopping list for you, allow you to pair that with your pantry and remove any ingredients that you don't need. It gives you all the flexibility and the features that you want. So Brad, this is this is where I'm going with this. First, thank you to Olga for telling me about it. And then second, this has allowed me to take my planning to the next level. So what I'm actually doing now, one of the challenges that you gave me a while back was, you know, it's great to talk about what you actually spent on groceries, groceries, but what's really more interesting is the cost of consumption because groceries aren't always fixed. Sometimes you have more that gets used, you know, several weeks later or several or a month later. How do you really track that? So really it comes down to, again, price per serving. So what I've done is I've tied, I'm using this Paprika app and inside of it, I'm starting to track my cost per serving because you can add extra details and extra information as well as my macro. So, uh, so, you know, basically calorie counting, essentially. This has really allowed me on multiple fronts, one, to get more organized with what it is we're actually making, buying, purchasing. So it's cutting my food bill because we end up, sticking much more to our list because our list is actually accurate. It allows me to plan out my meals throughout the week. And then because I'm constantly interested in kind of improving my fitness and pairing my diet along with my exercise and weight goals, it's allowing me to also track my macros in there as well. So I've, I'm, I'm building out this perfect system and I'm hopefully I'll share some of the recipes that I've put together, but I'm actually able to kind of almost in a budget bites manner map out my cost per serving along with these recipes now. And this is just super exciting for me. Yeah, that sounds cool, Jonathan. But I just want to dive into this a little more. Does, does the app itself have recipes? No, no. And that's the best part. So 
here's the problem. I, I keep going to like Sam's Club and Costco and seeing the cookbooks that are there and, I, and they always look awesome. And occasionally I'll, I'll even buy them. But then when I get home, they're much less awesome. I never want to open them. I never want to look at them. I never want to like take a picture or copy down the ingredients. Like I never do anything with it. So with this app, it actually has a web browser inside of it. And the web browser is basically just a Google extension. So you have Google inside of this app. And then you can go to anything. You can go to Pinterest. You can go to, you could type in best chicken marinade or I don't know, something with chickpeas and lentils and pull up any website on the internet. Basically all the websites on the internet use basically plugins to track the ingredients. So they all follow some basic CSV format. This app knows how to go in and parse that and pull it all in into something that you can use. So you basically have access to every single recipe that you can visualize on Pinterest. And within one button click, you're turning that Pinterest picture into something that you can do your grocery shopping around into something that you can into your meal planning for the week. Like you can map out for your week. All right, I'm going to make this meal. It's going to make eight servings. I'm going to have that at, you know, lunch on Monday, Thursday, and Friday, which means I need to still plan out these additional meals. You can basically build in your top 50. It just does so much heavy lifting for you. If you if you are the meal planner in your family. Yeah, and I'm personally not the meal planner in our house, but I suspect Laura, this this is going to be an app that Laura's going to want to look into. Just to everybody, I did go ahead and look it up because it kind of felt like it might be rude for me to tell you what an awesome deal it was and you can't get access to it. But if you are listening to this on November 30th, Friday, November the 30th, this is the last day that all of the apps are 50% off. They were just 50% off to the end of November. You have to pay for it per operating system that you're using it on. And unfortunately, in my house, I am a uh, Windows, Mac, Android family. So that was a little bit of a strategic fail on on my part. Uh, So you're going to have to think through how you're actually going to use it. But yeah, you can we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's called Paprika. Yeah. And Jonathan, actually, since you're talking meal planning, I, I know a lot of people in our audience are always looking for tips. And and this was kind of a cool one that that really impressed me that Laura did this past week is we had my parents in town for Thanksgiving. And the night after Thanksgiving, nobody really felt like cooking, but we wanted takeout. There's this takeout place right around the corner from us that's called Deep Run Roadhouse. It's this really delicious barbecue restaurant. And they have this like family pack that annoys Laura to no end. It's Jonathan, you'd get such a kick out of it. It's a family pack of four and it's like $32, but basically you're getting like a pound of meat that you can just buy for 12 bucks and then like some random side. So it's like coleslaw and macaroni and cheese and a couple of rolls and maybe like a dollop of something else. So it's, it's essentially nothing. And you leave wanting more because you only get a tiny little bit of mac and cheese and coleslaw. And it's just really frustrating. So Laura in her classic style made a little work around here. So she makes her own macaroni and cheese. She found this like delicious, creamy stovetop mac and cheese recipe, and she makes her own coleslaw. Then we just went there and bought a pound of meat for 12 bucks. And of course she has these delicious brioche rolls that she buys in bulk from Costco and just kind of individually freeze them so we can pull them out whenever we need them. So those are like, I don't know, I think they're less than a quarter each. So she went up recreating this meal for well under $20. I think she said it was 12 for the, the meat and then maybe four to five for all the other miscellaneous stuff. So we're talking 17 bucks, maybe at the absolute most. For a savings of $15, we all were more than full. We weren't frustrated because we had no mac and cheese and and coleslaw. And we actually had leftovers, which is great. So it made not only those four person meals, but Laura and I had had that for lunch the next day. So it amounted to six person meals for this $17. So I know it, it seems like a minor thing, but the little things really are the big things. And this was just like a cool bit of planning that Laura did and just saved us some money. And she does this all the time. It's really neat. I love that. And to be honest with you, now that I'm getting more involved on kind of the planning on my end, I'm hoping to really test the limits of this $2 per person per meal rule that we kind of keep in the background. We're not dogmatic about that. I think clearly you have meals that are all over the place, but it'd be nice to be able to prove out how much your cost per serving actually is, you know, on somewhat of a regular basis. I mean, you've highlighted this so many times when you apply some intentionality to your grocery bill, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. And frankly, in a relatively short period of time, like six months to a year. So really worth looking at. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and take a few minutes and talk about this past week's episode with Tinian, this trades path to FI. I think it was a long overdue conversation. 
man, he was an incredible messenger for it. Yeah, Tinian is absolutely fantastic. And yeah, like you said, a, a very good messenger. And it, it is long overdue. I know we mentioned that in the podcast, but for some reason, there's this like absurd thought that a lot of people in the FI community are just in tech jobs or engineering. And when you see our Facebook group with 30,000 people in it, and you see the diversity, you know that it's not just this tiny little caricature. And there are many people in these trade jobs. And certainly this is the first of many podcasts. So great to have Captain DIY on. And I loved how we talked about like, these are jobs that are not going away. And if you listen to the doom and gloom about robots and AI taking people's jobs, well, it's very hard to imagine that any jobs of the electrician, plumbers, this type of variety, that those are going away anytime soon. You know, and Brad, I think one of the things that I, I kind of feel the need to fight against is this idea that everyone needs to go to college. A lot of people will go to college and college will be a great choice for many people. But I, I think that what we're seeing, especially for my generation, millennials and, and Generation Z, it's increasingly a bad bet. I'm not saying it is a bad deal, but like if you just go into it blind without a plan, without realizing that there's other options, you can come out with 60,000 plus dollars in debt and nobody waiting to hire you on the other end. Not everybody needs to go to college. I just don't think it's a blanket statement, but I couldn't really prove that out or at least at, you know, to this point, I, I couldn't give the economics of a different choice. And I think that's one of the things that me and you have both felt the pool. It sounds great to just say that, but let's highlight some additional paths. Let's look at the economics and try to figure out what some viable alternatives might actually look like. And I know that we've spent some time talking about Treehouse, which is in our opinions and in that of Ryan Carson from episode 74, it is a form of a trade, but these are the ones that you traditionally think of in terms of trades. And I love the fact that now we get to actually take the opportunity to pull back the curtain and look at some real numbers. Yeah, I completely hear you, Jonathan. And this is not us ragging on college by any means. Both of us went to college and had great experiences. And I, I certainly wouldn't go back and, and trade that decision. So what this is, is for people who are potentially looking for additional options or other paths. And that's perfectly legitimate. Everybody should not go down the same path. That should be obvious to us. But somehow as a society, we've kind of gone awry with this. And Tinian said something really simple but it was important during the episode. He said he has a much easier time learning with his hands. And I don't think it's just Tinian. I think there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that have a different approach to learning. And you can't sum up whether or not we're going to be a success in this world by whether or not we crushed a standardized test or very good at multiple choice. There are other paths for individuals that statement resonates with. You know, I love that Tinian shared kind of his path and the numbers. We got uh, some feedback on this episode from Connor. He said, great episode. I just wanted to add that I am an apprentice electrician in Minnesota. I've been working in the field while doing an electrical associates degree. The wages I have encountered have been much higher than what Tinian discussed. I've heard of his numbers during the beginning of the recession, but the labor markets for electricians has really tightened up in a good way. And I will be graduating this next month and starting full-time as a second-year apprenticeship at $22 an hour with a 401k, dental, health, and some paid vacation. The trades are definitely a path to independence if you can learn how to be frugal and to use your skills. And Brad, that's what this is, man. We got to figure out how to pair this kind of optimized path and trades, pair it with what we know about building a financial independence machine, building a perpetual money-making machine. Yeah, you're right. And thanks to Connor for writing in. I know that $22 an hour sounds a lot more livable, certainly, than what Tinian quoted at $7 an hour, because I'm sure a lot of people heard that and kind of reflexively tuned out who could live on $7.50 an hour. So yeah, that's good to hear that the apprentices are getting somewhere in the vicinity of $20 to $25 an hour. And I think it it goes up from there, even within the apprentice program, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, it sounded to me like as you move up through the apprenticeship ranks, your, your pay increases with that. It looks like it's about a four year path, four to five year path to become, I guess what would be called a journeyman electrician. And on the other side of that is a fully licensed journeyman electrician. You're actually making above $50 an hour, probably actually on the low end, uh, $50 an hour as an electrician. And that really provides us some, with some opportunities. And as we kind of think through what our goals should be, especially if we're looking at it as our job as a vehicle to reach financial independence, 
There is the frugality aspect, right? And focus on slashing your expenses. But on the income side, this is obviously a lot easier if you can beat that median income and you can do it without a significant debt burden. So if we can map out some paths for individuals to beat that median income and you know do it without incurring an incredible amount of debt, it just makes everything easier. And, and I was just thinking it might even be interesting or fun to kind of map this out you know, you have this 17 year old and maybe they got, they heard about this episode and this is something that appealed to them. And, and we're just talking about, you know, this electrician path, but you know, I think when you're talking about trades, as we kind of pointed out, this could be plumbers, electricians, HVAC, maybe landscaping to a varying degree welding. There's certainly plenty of trades. Although in this conversation, we're talking about electrician, but if you are able to start this path at the age of 17 or 18 and your school only costs somewhere in between Tenian actually sounded like that was the high end at 25,000. I know some of the community colleges, you can get that degree for less than $10,000. And then from there, that can hopefully set you up to get in your apprenticeship program where you're getting paid from there on out. But let's say that, you know, on the high end, you can achieve all of this with less than $20,000, $25,000 of debt. You're making money the entire time. So while all of your friends are in school, and they're taking out additional student loans to finance that you're actually working and either coming out of school debt-free or actually coming out with a positive net worth during that four-year period of time, you're making 20 plus dollars an hour. And then after you get your license, now you're making $50 an hour. I mean, you're now at the age of what, 23, 24 years old, making over $50 an hour with no debt, a significant net worth. If you pair that with some of the strategies by the time that you're in your early thirties, you basically are done, right, Brad? Yeah, that's remarkable. And $50 an hour, you hear that and and it's kind of hard to conceptualize, but that's about $100,000 a year. If you work 40 hours a week for the standard American 50 weeks a year, right? That's that's 100k. And that's huge. And that's not counting any side jobs either. I know Tinian talked about this and I do have family members who are actually electricians and in the trades and they have side jobs all over the place. Tinian's describing as soon as he got his license, people are coming out of the woodwork to basically ask him, hey, I've got this job on my house that I need done. Can you do this for me? Those jobs just keep on coming. And you're talking 100K from your day job, potentially. And then who knows how much from these side jobs? So so you mentioned above median income. I mean, you're well above median. I mean, that this is an enormous salary for a 24-year-old potentially, if you started right at 18 and did that one-year program and then a five-year apprenticeship, you're at 24 years old, potentially making, who knows, 130 to $160,000 a year. That's just unbelievably significant. And like you said, Jonathan, you're only going to a one-year program and Tinian described that as an expensive one at 25K. So for people who are living at home, earning a salary, they can very quickly pay that off and hopefully they can find less expensive programs so they don't even have to pay off the full 25K. You're at a positive net worth probably by the time you're 20. From there, it's just almost a glide path. It's remarkable. You know, and I think increasingly, you know, my somewhat newfound entrepreneurial bent kind of comes through and I just get excited about the idea of building businesses. But I, I all the principles that we talk about on this show become available to you in particular in the context of trade. So I just want to kind of tie a couple threads. We've talked about building a side hustle. And I think probably a lot of us have this thought that a side hustle can't be the same thing as what we do in our day job. And, and that's just simply not true, especially if your job lends you the ability to acquire and do highly lucrative additional work outside of your normal nine to five, like this absolutely does. So think about this. You have a skill set that is not just easily learned. You can't just be replaced by an individual down the street. It takes time and commitment to learn this skill set. And so you can charge, you know, basically thinking about what Nick Loper from the Side Hustle Show uh, was telling us, if you have a highly cultivated skill set, then that means that you can charge a premium for that service. So it's not like a loss leader mentality where anybody can do it. So it's just not worth this much you can charge a premium for that service. If you tie that with just a few of the other things that we've talked about, like building a brand, like doing a little bit of internet marketing, creating a reputation for yourself, making it easy for people to share your services and what you've actually done. You know, you can quickly move from having a nine to five that gets you to financial independence, having a side hustle, cultivating that skill, 
And then on top of that, now moving into more of the business building aspect. And, you know, if you can make, you know, close to a hundred thousand dollars or more as an employee in someone else's business, then that tells me that you can very easily create multiples of that as an income, as a business owner, especially someone that's able to blend the hyper-localized skill set of an electrician, something that requires you be in the actual zip code, blend that with a little bit of online business building sense. And we, I can think of examples from the episode that we just did with Nick Loper talking about how other people were able to utilize this. So I think if you actually have a specific skill set in a trade, it opens you up. If you're thinking about the topics that we're talking about inside this community, it opens you up far beyond just being an employee and making a high hourly rate. It really opens you up to start considering what would it look like to be able to build my own business, something that is mine, you know, building a business, something that is uniquely yours. That to me is incredibly appealing. Yeah. And Tinian described, especially with this particular business, the ability to slowly transition from having the comfort of this full-time job that pays a real significant income into building a side hustle and eventually turning it into your own business, right? He described this in a couple of ways. He talked about first taking on jobs with the tools that you have. This was such a minor point, but it really stuck out to me because I, I just thought it was brilliant is that you don't have to go out the day you get your license and buy $50,000 worth of equipment just in case you get a side job that, that needed one tiny little obscure piece of equipment. No, you take side jobs that fit into the skills you have and also the equipment you have. Again, such a minor little point, but it was brilliant. And you can build up your business and build up your tools and equipment over the years as you get more of these side jobs. That's the beautiful thing. It, the business can fund itself and help it grow. And then you talk about the actual transition out. If you're making 100K during your day job and you're getting, let's say, $50 an hour, well, Tinian described potentially making over $100 an hour as a side hustler in this regard. So people hiring you are not hiring some big fancy company with a ton of overhead and offices and et cetera, et cetera. They're hiring this one individual licensed electrician. There's no overhead for that. So they're getting a deal. In essence, they're probably not paying $150 an hour that they'd pay to one of those big companies. They're paying $100 to you. They probably know and trust you. And also you're getting a great deal because you're not getting the $50 an hour you were getting during your own day job as an electrician. You're getting $100 an hour. So everyone wins. And the beautiful thing is you need 20 hours a week at $100 per hour to make your 100K. So the actual transition from having this safety net of a full-time job into maybe transitioning full-time into your own business is not all that difficult, especially with the plentiful electrician's work that's available for these side jobs. So to play this out, Jonathan, if you're doing 40 hours a week at $100 an hour, that that's a $200,000 a year job. And then who knows from there where you can scale that, hire employees, et cetera, et cetera. So this is something that there's a real path here to get from being a full-time employee to owning your own thriving business. And as you talk about building this business from the safety of your nine to five, it strikes me that the other piece of this is building your network. And the cool thing is you don't need to wait until you're starting your business to build your network. No, you don't. And building a network is what we talk about here at Choose I all the time, just in every aspect of life. And Tinian furthered that. I mean, this is wonderful. He's talking about having realtors in his network. These realtors are having clients who are buying and selling homes and need work done often fairly rapidly. Someone's selling a house. They need something done really quickly to have an open house or to actually close, right? If something comes through on an inspection, people who are buying, they might want new fixtures, et cetera, et cetera. Like this stuff needs to get done. And if you're the go-to electrician for a handful or more realtors in your area, that in and of itself could be a full-time job. So that's a fantastic way to network for anyone in these trade professions. And then he was also talking about other trades workers send him clients as well. And this is just building up a network of friends and colleagues who trust you. That's ultimately what it comes down to because people don't want to put themselves out there for someone that they don't trust, whose work they don't trust, whose integrity they don't trust. So those kind of things are essential. You need to build the human connection first. And then you have these people who 
hey, if someone's a general contractor and they're doing some work, you're the go-to electrician or you're the go-to HVAC person. So you can build up an entire job just from your network. You don't have to do any kind of advertising online or in yellow pages or anything like that. You can just build it out just with that networking. So this is the prototypical example. And yeah, I absolutely love that. This is by no means the last time that we're going to be having this this type of conversation. I think it's incredibly important to our community to really start to bring these two aspects together. We, we've spent a ton of time talking about the strategy and what to do with the gap between your income and your expenses, but the path to grow your income, the path to have an above median income salary and do it without six figures of student loan debt, that's something that we are always going to be keeping our eyes on and highlighting the stories of those that made a different choice. All right. Well, we actually asked Tinian to come back and join us on the Friday show just to talk a little bit more about, frankly, this do-it-yourself mentality that we alluded to at the beginning of the episode. And so Tinian, welcome back to the show. And what I was hoping you could do is help us. If someone wanted to tackle some DIY projects, where would you suggest that they start? Sure. So there's tons of little projects out there that can be done. And and when I talk about DIY, I think a lot of people think of choosing the best fabric for your throw pillow and, you know, making a picture frame, which those are fine. I'm not going to rip on those, but I'm, I'm more interested in the DIY skills that are going to be helpful in maintaining my house and maintaining my vehicles and just a a sustainable practice of self-reliance and competence. That's, that's what I'm going for. So more like that OG path to fi DIY. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. The OG path. That's right. And so, you know, if somebody has never done anything with tools before picking basically any project that puts a couple of pieces of wood together is a great place to start. So, you know, get a hammer and some nails, nail together two, two by fours, and that's a start. But, you know, if you actually want to do something, that's going to be something that you can look at, you know, a a raised garden bed is a great beginner project. That is the one I actually chose. That's what I'm going to do. And I I hadn't even Uh talked to you ahead of time about this. We are on the same page. (laughs) Perfect. You're already on the path to Captain DIY. I am. (laughs) So yeah, so a raised garden bed is great. Aardvark Advisor has a post about a compost bin that he built, which is another, it's a similar project to a raised garden bed. I'd say it's probably like if raised garden bed is step one, this would be step two. You know, it's basically the same shape, just a little bit taller. And it's something that really anybody with a saw and a hammer can build. You could build a bench or an Adirondack chair. You can find manuals online for one of those that'll tell you, you know, it'll give you the shapes that you need to cut out and how to put them together and anything like that that gives you a little bit of confidence with tools is going to help because the more you have a tool in your hand, the better you're going to be with it, the more confident you're going to feel with it, the more you're going to be willing to tackle slightly more difficult tasks. Question for you and maybe a suggestion. I don't know how far you've gotten on your own website, which is DIY2Fi.com. That's the number two. It strikes me that this is a real opportunity for someone. Like, let's say you take it the uninitiated, someone that has never tried anything and has this limiting belief that Brad does that I just can't do it. Or used to, Brad. I know you've graduated past this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on step 1.5. <laughs> but this individual says, I want to get started. Have you ever considered like taking some of the ideas that you're telling us right now and mapping them out, finding the tools online or finding the tutorials or schematics online that people should get started with and kind of mapping out a DIY type initiation program? You know, that's an interesting thought. I guess I never really thought of it that concisely. I have a couple of blog posts on my site about tools every homeowner should have, which I guess would be the first start to something like what you're talking about. But I, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'd love to get into something like that. Yeah, explore that. You know, I and I know this because I actually did, I did a search on Google for what woodworking project should I start with, right? And I didn't get a great answer, which tells me that for that individual, you could very easily co-opt that idea and kind of help someone slowly get better. And because you kind of have this unique skill set, it seems to me like you would be a great guide to all of that. Walk us down this path of complexity. What gets us to the circular saws? Uh, Well, I would suggest, you know, you start with a screwdriver and a hammer and, you know, any Ikea project, if you can put together an Ikea project, you can pretty much build anything because those are nearly impossible. But uh, (laughs) Is that what they use in the marketing? Trust me, this will be close to impossible. (laughs) I I think so. Yeah. Well, the key is it's close to impossible. So, you know, you can do it, but you're probably going to tear your hair out. 
Have uh, you uh, a quick commentary on that real quick and not to sure. slow down the conversation, but there is a significant amount of studies that show that people that put their furniture together. So Ikea type furniture are much more happy with it than someone that buys it pre-built, even though inevitably, if you do it yourself, you're going to mess up one screw. Something's not going to be tightened the way it should be. Something's going to be a little bit more rickety. But when they measure endorphins, when they measure joy and happiness, the person that puts that time in and creates it, even if you're doing it from the stepping stool of Ikea, tends to be happier, even with the defects, than the individual that just purchases it completely done. You know, that's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. So my wife and I bought our first house. It was a house that we bought from a contractor who had totally gutted it and finished it. So everything about the house was totally finished. There was nothing that I could do to add to it. And uh, my neighbors across the street moved in shortly after we did. And we're good friends now. But I was totally jealous of them because they bought a foreclosure that needed tons of work. And I was thinking, man, there's nothing I can do in my house. But a few years ago, my wife and I moved down the street. We bought a house that needed a lot of work. And so we pulled out the kitchen put a whole new kitchen in, put a whole new bathroom in, new floors throughout the house, all kinds of stuff. And there's all kinds of little defects that if I had hired somebody to do this job, I would never see these defects. But because I did it, I know they're there and I see them and they, they drive me a little bit nuts. But the level of satisfaction I've gotten from not only doing the projects, but then looking back and saying, yeah, I did that. It's just enormous. Yeah, Tinny, and I know I see that personally in my own life, and, and we're kind of joking here that, that I have been afraid, basically, or I had that limiting belief that I couldn't do any work on my house. But you talk about step maybe 0.2, right? We're not even close to raised <laughs> garden bed. I swapped out every doorknob in my house. And I mean, those are simple, but it was so cool to see the learning curve. The first one, I screwed it up in two different spots, like which is pretty hard to do. But you figure out really quickly, oh, it needs to be oriented this way or, oh, I can do that to make it more efficient. And it's just it's a cool learning process. And I got to the point where I was doing these things in sub five minutes and it was great like that. That felt good. So I definitely I understand where you're talking about here with the momentum. I think that's a crucial piece. And I'd, I'd love if you just as a thought experiment could go through your house and maybe even your car what would be those step one and step two projects like fixing a toilet or changing out these doorknobs or something like that? What can people realistically tackle very easily? And then also, what would you highly recommend untrained people avoid? <laughs> sure. So I have a disclaimer that I post on a lot of my how-to posts that says, that, you know, some things are just not for some people to try and certainly electrical projects i would i would highly advise caution and plumbing as well cuz you know getting wet is no fun but for projects that people could start with uh painting painting is a great one it's i call it it's a high satisfaction to effort ratio is it it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to paint a room but it dramatically changes the room so that would be one that i would start with and doorknobs is another great one it gave you time with a tool in your hand, which is better than reading books about it all day, you know. So let's see, we got painting, we got doorknobs. You know, you could also get like a cabinet, like a nightstand cabinet, and try different scuffing it up and painting it and doing different things like that to it, or try changing the doorknob on the cabinet, things like that. It's just, they're small projects. They get you with some tools in your hand. They get you doing some tangible repairs on your vehicle. It could be changing your oil. That's a fairly easy one, although it's also kind of messy. But, you know, you, even if you just open the hood and check your oil, that's a great start right there for somebody who has no idea, who has never opened their hood, open it up, check your oil, see what it looks like. Is there that's an individual just, out there? And I know there is who has never opened their hood. This is the small piece of action that you can take today. That's your assignment. Find where the hood latch is. Open it. <laughs> exactly. It will expand your universe. <laughs> Aggregation of marginal gains. Right? There we go. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for weighing in with this. I will report back with some of the list of projects that I'm tackling. I was thinking about making a fire pit in the backyard, so doing some very beginning masonry work. And I'll put some pictures out there once I have that completed. But there's a lot of fun stuff that you can certainly do. And I love the idea of increasing joy, happiness, and satisfaction through the power of DIY.
Absolutely. So Tinian, once you get past level 0.002, which is where Brad is at currently, like let's talk to us about what some of your projects actually have been. So you have this home that required a lot of fixing things up. You have a pretty experienced DIY guy. Walk us through some of your biggest wins from a DIY perspective. Sure. So I uh, recently started raising chickens. So building a chicken coop was a, a great project. The best thing about a chicken coop is that it's a chicken coop, so it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. As a my plumber coworker of mine says, I'm a chicken coop carpenter. I can I can do any carpentry as long <laughs> as you don't mind if it looks like a chicken coop. So, you know, it doesn't have to be square. It doesn't have to be perfectly level. That's a great project for like a step two or step three. You know, once you've started to build up a little bit more confidence with tools, if you can, if you feel like you can safely handle power tools, a chicken coop is a great thing to go for. Also, I wrote an article recently about laying a floating floor, which is just one of those snap together floors that uh, you don't you don't actually attach it to a subfloor. That's also a great project to do. It's pretty straightforward. You just snap the stuff together. You make a ton of progress in a little bit of time. So again, a high satisfaction to effort ratio. And that's that's really something I think anybody can do, which it's something I did recently. And it surprised me how easy it was. Thanks so much to Tinian for uh, coming on the show and kind of sharing some of these tips for getting started. I love that satisfaction to effort ratio. And hopefully over the next year, both Brad and myself will have some more DIY wins as well as your DIY wins that we'll be able to kind of share back to the community. This is pretty exciting stuff. Let's go ahead and use this opportunity and highlight some wins, some feedback and comments that we got from the Facebook group this week. And Tasha shared a gratitude post. She says, I'm grateful a friend of mine introduced me to this group. I'm beginning to get my finances in order and have started listening to the book, The Simple Path to Wealth, that was recommended here. Chapter one really spoke to me. I am one of the few people in my family to graduate high school and the only one to go to college and have a professional career besides my dad, who is enlisted in the Air Force. I haven't had role models, advice, or guidance regarding money. So when my young, motivated self took on $50,000 in student loan debt and got a degree in anthropology, I genuinely thought I was doing the right thing. Now, 15 years later, I'm still trying to repay that debt and it's suffocating. It stings a little that I'm now in a fantastic career that doesn't necessarily require a degree, although I don't regret the life experience college gave me. Anyways, my post is simply to express my gratitude for all of the knowledge and wisdom that's being shared on the Facebook group and for the people who have taken the time to chat with me one-on-one on career advice. What a great community. I know it's going to allow my son to have a much different life, a much different life. I can now teach him financial responsibility. And that gives me peace of mind. And Brad, first of all, and, and Tasha, first of all, thank you for sharing this. And Brad, it reminds me that on our website, there was an article posted by Shannon called 50 ways to improve your finances by 1%. And that was just an incredible summary of the different ideas that have been talked about and highlighted by this community and almost giving you an a la carte menu that, you know, you say, you know what, I've probably made some bad financial choices up to this point. But each day I can get a little bit better and I can take a very simple action. And when you look back at the aggregate, it's transformative. If you were to do all of these different things, where your finances will actually end up. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And that was a phenomenal article. Yeah, our entire team of writers at the chooseify.com website have been amazing. And this one by Shannon especially stuck out to me. I know it got featured by Rockstar Finance, which was really, really cool. But most importantly, it's just a helpful article. So if you want to check it out, it's actually in the show notes to this episode, but just head to chooseify.com and you can click on latest articles and you can see the vast array of resources that are coming out on really a daily basis at this point. And Brad, you know, speaking of second generation fire, I know you tagged me in a, in a message from Kristen on the Facebook group talking about this incredible idea that she's doing with her son. Yeah, this was phenomenal. So Kristen said, I've started a little online shop that makes for a good finance story. The shop is a fun little experiment. I have an entrepreneurial 13-year-old son tagging along in the process. We set up the business together, obtained an EIN, DBA, sales tax, business license, business checking account, and a business credit card. He went to a meeting with our CPA to discuss tax implications and deductions. We've researched shipping options and signed up for a business USPS account. We bought a mail scale. We researched Square Reader and signed up for an account. He designed my logo. He helped create spreadsheets to track my sales, sales tax obligations, business expenses, et cetera. He even helped with photography of my products. 
and is modeled for some products. I can pay him market price for some of these duties. With this earned income, we opened a Roth IRA for him. We discussed retirement accounts and other financial topics. We've discussed travel rewards with credit card points and proper use of credit cards. Pay off balance every month, of course. We figured out how much he could make before I would have to generate tax forms. For such a basic little shop, we've put in many, many hours, and it has been a great learning experience for both of us. That is so cool. I mean, can we, we need to have her on the show just to talk about this a little bit more. I just basically want to hear her say that instead of you. That's how, <laughs> that's how awesome this was. <laughs> I agree completely. And yeah, let's make that happen. Having Kristen on and her son would be amazing. Like there are too many things. I mean, this is maybe 200 words and there are probably 15 different lessons that we've talked about over the 200 episodes that we've had. This is just so fantastic. And yeah, it's neat when you see your kids getting involved and you see them interested. So yeah, it was funny, Jonathan, I didn't even tell you about this. My family went to our friends, uh, Tim and Missy's house, and they have three boys, and they actually all listened to the podcast. So we went over for a game night, which was really fantastic, and the kids just get along famously, and it's just a really good time. And I guess their boys were telling our girls about my podcast, which is so funny that they listen and, and have picked up things. So Anna and Molly came home and actually wanted for the first time to listen to the show. So we started way back at episode one. We downloaded the first two episodes and listened to both of them. And they, I think they enjoyed it. So it was, it was cool. I love it. And I I love the idea. I mean, I was just thinking about this. What an incredible summer project for both the parents and the child to work on building something like this. I mean, to go through everything that she just listed is transformative. What is the story you tell yourself about yourself? Think about that child's life experiences going into all the things that are coming up to have said, I did this at this age. I I just think it's almost, it's almost a rite of passage in a very, very cool way. Yeah, certainly a a five rite of passage. And uh, hopefully there are many, many thousands of families out there who are starting to learn about this and starting businesses, even like Kristen's saying, a, a small little online shop, the lessons that you can learn in those who knows, dozens of hours, they will stick with your kids forever. It's time well spent. That's for sure. Even if this business makes zero dollars in profit. Joshua shared his Black Friday win with us. This is a receipt that he got from his credit union. He said, we paid off our freaking car. Since deciding to pursue financial independence in February 17, 2017, we have paid off $20,000 in debt. I wanted to share my win today as everybody gets stuck in the rat race that we're hoping to get out of. I hope this encourages someone who's still grinding it out. And Josh, thank you. That's massively encouraging. And what a win to have that completely behind you. And I wanted to go ahead and give you guys an update uh, and a huge thank you to our educators group that's helping us put together a financial independence curriculum. There's been a lot of time that's been put into putting this together. A lot of people that have volunteered hours and lesson plans and ideas. And it's just, it's amazing to actually see it. Danny, uh, my wife, who's been kind of helping to spearhead this and Uh, working with Rob and Miriam to do so, gave me an update and wanted me to let you guys know that the third through fifth grade lesson plans are actually completed now. And a huge thank you to Kelly, who jumped on board recently to help with the second grade lesson plans. To the middle school educators, Scott, Brian, Nancy, this is starting to get wrapped out. Definitely reach out to Danny Mendonza or Rob or Miriam. They're continuing their efforts on the high school curriculum. Thanks to Amy, Kate, Tom, and Mary, who are helping them with this process. If there are any other educators in this group that would like to be a part of this, either by writing lesson plans or being a part of the curriculum editing group, once the draft of all the lessons are in place, please reach out to us and let us know. We would love to include you as part of that process. But there's a couple really big projects that we're going to be highlighting in 2019, and this is one of them, and it's happening. This is really happening, and there will be much more details to follow as we get a little bit closer. All right. uh, Well, as I kind of wrap up, I want to let you guys know next week, Marla is joining us back on the show to talk about travel rewards updates for 2019. In particular, we will be discussing the companion pass strategy going into the end of the year, beginning of next year, and a few other pertinent details that are important to think about as you plan your travel strategy for next year. So unfortunately, that's going to bring this episode to a close. As you know, we like to finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. There's three books that we offer. The first is J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. The second is Dominic Cortuccio's book, Design Your Future. And the third book from Vincent Puglisi, Freelance to Freedom. If you want to enter the drawing, all you need to do is just go to choosefi.com slash iTunes, follow the instructions there, and leave us a short written review on either Stitcher or iTunes. 
And then send us an email to feedback at choosefi.com, letting us know that you left a review and what screen name you left it under. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get, and we announce the winner on the Friday Roundup. Brad, how many winners do we have today? All right, Jonathan, we have one winner today, and the winner is Jamal. And Jamal said, Choosify has truly changed the outlook of my future. Their podcast contains so much information, but is delivered in a way that is easily understood. Brad and Jonathan's balance is what truly keeps me sucked into every single episode. I feel each of their personalities, as well as points of introspection, are really beneficial in helping me progress on my own financial and health goals. There have been so many actionable steps I've taken this year in order to better my financial and health goals. Here are a few to give you an idea of what you can accomplish. I will max out my pre-tax 401k, invest 50 to 65% of my take-home pay, VTSAX, and for a future house hack. And I opened a Chase credit card for rewards. I bought dumbbells instead of a gym membership and lost 10 pounds this year. I inquired on new car insurance, which dropped my car insurance from $200 a month to only $110 a month. Term life insurance, invested into myself by reading more books and studying for a network IT certification. This podcast has taught me that no matter what age we are, we are in control of our wealth and our health. At the age of 23, I have made these changes and will continue to be a better version of myself. Hashtag young FI and the fire is spreading. That's awesome, Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my call to action this week for those of you that are paralysis by analysis, trying, just trying to figure out, well, what, what should I do? Here it is. I want you to go check out the show notes for today's episode. I want you to look at the article that we referenced, 50 ways to get better with your finances by 1% and choose one of those. Choose one of those to take action on this week. Let's continue to get better together. All right, my friends, the fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.